Well, it's good to be back, and I did wonder whether anybody would be back uh, today, so it's lovely to see you all. The reality of our journey of faith is that it's sometimes a bit of a roller coaster ride. God has never promised that the Christian life would be easy, but He has promised to be with us and to keep His promises, ultimately leading us to the safety of his eternal keeping. I love that. Oh God, our help in ages past. And I guess for many of us, the pandemic has been really tough for all sorts of reasons. We're getting weary. We long for restoration. We're impatient that some sort of normality needs to come back. We're desperate to worship freely, to chuck away those masks. And even on this big switch day, when we thought everything would be back to normal, we find that there's another delay. And then (laughs) there's an Extinction Rebellion protest outside and some people don't feel that it's safe enough to come. Oh Lord, deliver us. This roller coaster is sometimes too much for us. But we must hang on in there. In the Bible, the Psalms reflect the ups and downs of a relationship with God, the experience of the people of God. It's not always straightforward. Our service began today with Psalm 30. Its verses swing back and forth with contrasting experiences, life and death, oppression and triumph, security and the loss of God's face and favor. Yet the psalm is still one of thanksgiving. It was used at the dedication of David's temple. Psalm 30 was an expression of trust in God's faithfulness. And the psalmist praises God for deliverance from what we think is a grave illness. An illness so severe that the psalmist admits that the Lord had restored him to life, it says, and saved him from his enemies. The psalmist's life up until that point, had been a comfortable one. Being rich and healthy had lulled him into a full sense of security, into a feeling of being invincible. I wonder if before the pandemic, we were a little bit comfortable. The loss of the psalmist's health made him realize life's fragility. And when we have health worries or when the pandemic turns everything upside down, suddenly we find our security disappears. We realize how vulnerable we are. But what do we do in that situation? Well, the psalmist called out to God for help. He wept at night, but his mourning was turned into dancing. Through a time of potential disaster, he'd experience the merciful presence of God through it all. And I really hope that despite everything over the last 15 months, you've known that God has been with us through this. I hope you've turned to our faithful God, cried out to him in your prayers, for our creator is the only one who can turn our weeping into dancing. Then we had the Lamentations reading, also a a reading to encourage the people of God to hold on to their faith, to remember God's goodness and mercy, and even in the face of suffering, to wait for the Lord's response. 
the book of Lamentations, uh, do read it sometime. It's a short book, but very important. Its writers, like Jeremiah, had witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem in the hands of the Babylonians in 586 BC. Jerusalem had become a wilderness. Its temple was left in ruins. Israel had been taken into captivity. And Lamentations, this book, expresses the horror and the raw, tearful emotion of all of this. Yet central to the book is a deep faith that there is hope for the future. Let me read those words, verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I attended the memorial service, or it's a requiem at the uh, cathedral for the late canon uh, Christopher Tuckwell. His favorite hymn was, Great is Thy Faithfulness. He held on to it through his own time of suffering, but also through his life. It was a refrain that he found really helpful. And I hope we do too. He is now in glory with our Lord, but he held on through the tough times because of our faithful God. And there's an important message here about waiting quietly on the Lord, waiting expectantly for God's timing, keeping faith that healing and wholeness and deliverance will eventually come. And I guess we're all getting impatient. But we need to hear those words in verse 24. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. As I say, I'm not always very good at waiting quietly. But Professor... Tom Wright pointed out at the National Prayer Breakfast that I attended on Friday online. He said, lament grows out of a belief that despite its sorry state, God will put things right. God knows that things shouldn't be like this. I wonder if we believe that. You see, Jesus did. He shared that lament tradition, and as he approached his death, death on a cross, he waited obediently on the Lord, and despite great suffering, he hung on in there. He cried out on the cross, and though, though he faced eventual death, salvation came through his obedience Jesus was vindicated through the resurrection. Great is thy faithfulness. Love triumphs. And then we come to our gospel lesson. Here, an important synagogue official throws himself in humility at Jesus' feet. The gesture of a desperate man urgently needing Jesus' attention. And his lament finds expression as he cries out to Jesus. My little daughter is very ill. Please come and place your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And earlier in Mark, Jesus had already shown his power over creation, over evil spirits. So surely he had power over sickness too. 
The problem was that Jairus's little girl dies before Jesus can get there. Surely, you know, you can imagine the grief of Jairus. All the questions. And yet Jesus says, do not be afraid, just believe. And at Jairus' house, the Lord encounters a scene of grief and mourning. And people laugh at him when he says, the girl's only sleeping. But what does Jesus do? He takes her by the hand and tells her to get up. And she does get up. And they're amazed to see her restored. And we can imagine how their mourning was turned into dancing. Our gospel lesson goes on to tell another story within it. It's just in the middle there about that richly unclean woman who is seeking healing for Jesus, from Jesus. And the woman laments her situation. But she isn't hopeless. She holds on. She's an outcast from society, but she approaches Jesus from behind, believing that Jesus could heal her. And with courage and faith, she reaches out and touches the hem of his cloak. And Jesus knew at once that the power had gone from him. And so he turns and asks, who touched me? I think it's really important, that bit. (laughs) Jesus wanted to know the one who had touched him, the untouchable. No one else had time for this woman, but Jesus did even though he was legging it to try and get to Jairus' daughter. In trem- he sees the woman and he heals her. But trembling with fear, knowing that she'd been healed, the woman comes to Jesus and he declares that it was her faith that made her well. Her weeping soul dances again. I wonder if you see a common thread in these uh, passages. First of all, the crying out to God, the seeking God, the trust in God, the trust that he will bring hope, and then a faithful response. You see, lament means facing up to the pain and looking at faith to God. And believe that he is about restoring and repairing his world. Lament can be the source of hope, but it also can be the source of new beginnings. We won't be going back to the way things were. I don't believe in this world. The landscape is going to be different. We need a new language as a church in that landscape. But we also need to allow God to use us to help rebuild community and rebuild the kingdom of God. That his kingdom on earth on, in, on, may come on earth as it is in heaven. So that mourning can be turned to dancing, not just for us, but for the whole world. I believe that every one of us here is called to turn away from our complacency and our self-sufficiency, and to take on the role of being kingdom builders. Post-pandemic, will we be a people who are about restoring the world as God intended to be? And this means putting the needs of the weak and the poorest to the fore, 
that all who are weeping may be enabled to dance again. As justice and compassion and peace become a reality in our world. And we don't want people just to find it, that they can just for a moment have a superficial jig. We want people's souls to dance so that they can get caught up in the life of God and dance with him. We need to be a people who are prepared to reach out hands just as Jesus did for Jairus' daughter to bring healing to the world. We're not the fixers, but Jesus is. And through us, he can do wonderful things. Methodist Conference began on Thursday. Uh, that's where Ali is today. And the ordinations will take place tonight. Please do remember those in your prayers. And it brings back memories for me because it was 30 years ago that I had my ordination service. And I find it quite emotional thinking about it. I'd forgotten, actually, because of the pandemic. I read somebody else's post, which reminded me that it was 30 years ago that I was ordained in Rochdale. And at that service, a past president of conference and members of the overseas church laid hands on me. It was deeply moving. And the touch of people at that time was important to me. There were no flashing lights, no audible voice from God, just an overwhelming sense of love and commissioning. The laying on of hands, just like we do at confirmation, healing services. We weren't able to do it as I would have liked to do it, but I laid hands on Tony and prayed for him as he began his preaching ministry as a fully accredited local preacher. When we lay hands on people, it's as though all the prayers of the people of God are focused on that person at that moment. Now, we may not all be ordained, but I believe we are all ministers. And we are called to go out from this place, perhaps not yet to lay hands on people, but to use our hands to serve people, to wash one another's feet figuratively. And to be about bringing God's love and grace into the reality of the experience of ordinary people. There is so much weeping in our world. But we believe in a God who can turn that weeping into dancing. So I encourage you, as you go out from this place, not just come here to feel good that we've come back to the house of the Lord, but feel a commission to go out and to serve. Don't let the roller coaster ride of your emotions and your experiences distance you from the faithful one who longs to bring healing and renewal and build his kingdom of love in this world, in this generation. Amen.